with a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at all the playoff games for the divisional round. There is only four of them, after all. We got some picks, some props, a couple teasers. I got a money line Matty pick for you, but first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. And can we top the excitement from the wild card round? It was exciting. Other than the, the final game on Monday night, all the other five featured at least one lead change. And it was especially entertaining if you like bad play calling, bad time management, questionable officiating, and, you know, Kirk Cousins having difficulty knowing what eight yards looks like. I got three words for you. You like that? Uh, John Harbaugh taking his frustrations out on Melissa Stark on the sidelines. You told us your guys were going to be disciplined. What did you think about that last penalty? Well, I didn't like the last penalty. And so what will you tell your guys defensively? Uh, we'll be fine. Our guys will be fine. It's going to be a hard-fought game out here. We're, we're going to play a good game. And Tyler Huntley with that interception, you said we might see Anthony Brown. What will that take? We'll just see how the game goes, okay? Well, well, the bitch is back. That meme going around about Kirk Cousins throwing the three yards instead of eight for Damar Hamlin was awesome. That's gold, Jerry. Gold! Yeah, there was, uh, like, I, I actually did really well on my picks uh, last weekend, except for, uh, obviously, the Dallas Bucks game. Apparently, Tom Brady's luck and love from the officials ran out on the same night. I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So, uh, I imagine he was saying at the end of that game, I really wish I'd chosen Giselle and the kids. Well, you and I diverged on another two games as well. The first one being the Vikings, and you took the G-Men not only to cover, but also in the money line. Good for you. I I don't mind losing that because the Vikings just got outplayed. Like, they're just, they just suck, and they showed why. Uh, the other game, however, was the Jags and the Chargers. And the Chargers were the right side. They still are the right side, even though... Hey, what happened after 60 minutes? Well, that's, I know that. I realized... You play to win the game. So the Jags were the right side then, right? Because my bank account says that it was the right call. Don't you get Don't you get too far ahead of yourself here. Um, that was just... And, oh, guess who got fired um, on the Chargers yesterday? Oh, who got fired? Well, it wasn't Brandon Staley. It was the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Although defensively, defensively, they uh, they they should have made a few stops as well. Well, how about you maybe give uh, Austin Eckler the ball more than eight times in the second half? Yeah. Eating to- the eating the clock would definitely be uh, the way to go in that situation. Well, check out these totals for last weekend: forty-one points, uh, forty-five, fifty-five, sixty-one, sixty-four, sixty-five. So, lots of scoring there. What's the score here? What's next? So, also, what was interesting going back to that Chargers game is uh, they were up, actually, at one point, 27 to nothing. And that was with about 340 left in the second quarter. Now, at that point, somebody put $1.4 million on the Chargers to win, which would have paid something like $11,000. 
Like we're talking about, I think it was like plus 14 or minus 14,000 or something. Like this is an unbelievably bad beat for any gambler. It's also a ridiculous bet. Why on earth would you risk 1.4 million for a shot at 11K? That's a return of 0.8%. He could have bought a T-bill or an ETF and gotten much more for his money. Uh, so obviously this person is an imbecile with more money than brains. I work with retards. It got us thinking though. There's got to be others. So Andy did his research from his lapper this week to bring you the top five ridiculous bets and bad beats in sports history. Number five, Steve Richards. Steve bet 10 pounds and with the odds against him at 3,861 to one, he successfully guessed the results of 12 different rugby matches. As a result, Steve was lucky enough to take home 38,970 pounds. However, instead of pocketing his winnings and heading home, Steve felt that he'd rather put up a lesson to other gamblers on why you should quit while you're ahead. He proceeded to bet 30,000 pounds on Wales beating Australia in a rugby match. It was at this moment he knew he fucked up. Which unfortunately didn't pan out and Steve ate a big bag of extra salty dicks. Buy me some penis and cracker jacks. Number four, unknown gambler. In 2002, an anonymous gambler placed a $7.6 million money line wager on the St. Louis Rams whose greatest show on turf was a 14-point favorite against the New England Patriots and their young quarterback, Tom Brady. Of course, Tom Brady led the Pats to a stunning 20-17 win, and BetMGM became $7.6 million richer. Everyone sucks but me. Oh yeah, cheer for Tom. Give all your love to Tom. Number three, David Owensia. Better known as Vegas Dave. He bet $1 million on Maisha Cupcake Tate at the UFC 200. She was up against Amanda Nunez in a bid to retain her championship title. However, Cupcake Tate was knocked out in the first round of the fight, and Vegas Dave left the wicket $1 million lighter. On the bright side, he was in Vegas, so probably eased his pain with hookers and blow. Hookers and blow. Amazing. Number two, Jim McInvale. They call him Mattress Mac, but they should call him The Degenerate. Here are just a few of his worst gambling beats. Lost $13 million in wagers on the Astros to win the 2019 World Series. Houston lost the Washington Nationals in seven games. Lost $6.1 million in Moneyline wagers on Alabama to beat Georgia in January's College Football National Championship. The Bulldogs beat the Crimson Tide 33-18. And finally, the one that lands him on this list. Lost $9.5 million in money line bets on the Bengals to beat the Rams in last year's Super Bowl. It's the largest single wager to date in Super Bowl history. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is Cincinnati by 200 points. Buy you, worthless hunk of junk. And the number one ridiculous bet and bad beat. In sports gambling history, Matthew Webb. Matt is known for being the first man in history to swim across the English Channel and made money by betting against the public for numerous swimming-related challenges. Unfortunately, Matt experienced the worst loss on this list, his life. In 1883, he bet $10,000 that he could swim across the Niagara Falls Whirlpool. However, 
Once he entered the water in his attempt to swim across, he was sadly never seen again. You know, if, if your eyes go bad, you can have LASIK surgery and they can give you 20-20 vision at any age. If your hearing starts to fail, they could put a device in your ear that'll make you able to hear as good as you could the day you were born. But let me tell you something, folks. You can't fix stupid. All right, Andy. The divisional round is here. Let's fire it up. Let's fire it up. Oh, All right, we start Saturday afternoon in Kansas City, where the Jacksonville Jaguars come to town. Uh, the Jags are nine and nine against the spread. Chiefs six, ten, and one. Uh, Jacksonville scored 146 points over the season's final five weeks. That's an average of 29.2 points per game, and that's the exact same amount that's been scored over the whole season by the league's number one offense, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, of course, uh, we we know these offenses, they're not the same, but it does demonstrate how Peterson's Jaguars have really grown with Lawrence. And as I was saying to you last week, after seeing Nick Foles play a bunch after he left the Eagles, I started realizing more and more that Doug Peterson was a huge reason they won that Super Bowl. So... This could be an interesting game. Jacksonville shows up. Well, Doug Peterson, let's keep in mind and remember that he cut his teeth as an assistant coach under Andy Reid in Kansas City. Before he got shipped off to the Eagles, promptly won a Super Bowl. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Obviously, last week, I don't want to dwell on that game too much, but I think it was the coaching matchup that made that one-point difference between said Brandon Staley and Doug Peterson. Um, keep in mind that we were talking about points per game, uh, Chiefs, number one in the league, uh, also number one in the league in yards per play and passing yards. Uh, in their last meeting, the Chiefs outgained the Jags 486 to 315 and were minus three in the turnover margin and still won by 10 points. Yeah, but the Jags recently have proven they can win a shootout with a top-tier team. Uh, And that's not only evidenced by last week's huge comeback win over the Chargers in the playoffs. And by the way, Trevor Lawrence still hasn't lost on a Saturday uh, in his career. Um, But a few weeks ago, they beat the Cowboys 40-34 to in overtime in a shootout. And that was a comeback for them. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the last couple games of the regular season... You know, the Chiefs had a tough time beating the Broncos. Well, actually, they lost to the Broncos, didn't they? Or no, it was it was it came down to the uh, the final play. But anyway, them and the Texans, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the corner position. And right now, they got uh, Chiefs, that is, has Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, and Joshua Williams are all corners. They're all rookies. So there is a vulnerable spot in this in this defense, and that's it. And the Jags really have the offensive weapons to attack that secondary. I expect ATN to have a pretty good game on the ground. This is a tough spread, man. This is a tough spread. And I expect this one to probably hit nine before week's end, sort of as teaser protection for Vegas or the the odds makers. But right now at eight and a half, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to lay it out. I definitely like him to cover that spread. 
Yeah. Um, I think, okay, so here I'm going to make my case for the Jags. Okay. Uh, their defense has been on fire the final stretch of the season. Over the last three games, they're keeping teams to only 4.4 yards of play, the third best mark in the NFL over that stretch. Um, now, see, if Kansas City gets out in front by more than 20 points, right, and the Jags decide to wake up, uh, let's face it, the hot tub in Jacksonville will be filled with the tears of Jag fans. But if they can keep it, if they can keep it tighter um, in the opening part of this game, they've got a chance. The biggest issue for the Chiefs right now, it's their red zone defense. They allow their opponents to score a touchdown 67.27% of red zone trips against them. That's 31st in the NFL. Only the Colts had a worse record uh, in in the red zone on defense than the Chiefs this season. So it's tough to cover a big spread when you struggle to hold your opponents to field goals instead of touchdowns. True enough. I'm going to throw out a couple props that I like. Right now, both Zay Jones and Christian Kirk for the wide receiver position of the Jaguars are sitting at plus 187 for an anytime touchdown. I'm leaning to Christian Kirk on this one. Um, Zay Jones did give... Did get one in the last game, but a plus one eighty seven. Trust me, these guys are gonna these guys are gonna eat a little bit. The next one I really like, and it is uh, Pacquiao, the running back for the Chiefs, over fifty five and a half yards, and it's quite likely that they do get off to a lead, and they will properly eat the clock out, and they will keep giving him the ball. Um, I don't think fifty five and a half is by any stretch of the imagination a tall order for him to cover. I, but I, uh, as my final pick, I do like the Jags to cover the eight and a half as well. I would not bet on that. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to win a buttload of money. Right to the city of brotherly love where the philadelphia eagles take on the visiting new york giants philadelphia seven and a half point favorites 48 the total now this is a big game because these are two nfc east division rivals uh g-men 14 and 4 against the spread this year including nine and two as a, uh, against the spread as an underdog uh the eagles eight and nine against the spread this season um, now, we don't like big spreads in division rival games, but does it make a difference in the playoffs? It does, actually. If you look at it historically, um, typically the, the, the spread of margin of victory is a little bit greater, especially when you're talking about two divisional teams like this. When I you saw, think Hurts? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just when the line came out initially, it was at seven, and that made sense. And I'm not sure if it was public or wise guy money that came in to bump it to seven and a half, but I think it's floated back and forth between those two all week. You know, uh, you mentioned the Giants uh, ATS record uh, this season, the best in the league. In their last 12 games against Philly, they've covered the number eight of those times. However, on the road against playing against Philly, they're owing nine straight up. But this is a different Giants team than we've seen in other seasons. We, we call him, or they are calling him Vanilla Vic right now, which is a.k.a. Danny Dimes, who in the last game against the Vikings threw for 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, 
no interceptions, had 78 yards rushing on the ground, which was a team high. And we just don't know about Jalen Hurts. It's just too much of a question mark, I think, to be laying that many points, don't you? I fully agree. Ring rust is real. Um, Coming back to the lineup after a two-week absence against the G-Men's defense that can get after it, uh, I seven and a half points to me is a lot, especially since Hertz, even without the shoulder injury, has struggled against the blitz this season. Uh, he's ranked 26th in expected points added per drop back. Um, and that's when facing the blitz this season. So that bodes pretty well for the New York defense that blitzed more than any other defense in the NFL. 44% of its snaps. I'm looking at you, Wink Martindale. Yeah. You know, good, good, good for Wink. He's having quite the season. I think Dable's having a hell of a season too, man. He's taken a team that nobody expected anything from this season, and he's really turned uh, attitudes around in New York. Well, let's go to Philadelphia, where we know it is the city of brotherly love, and that's the way they act accordingly at the stadium, not. Eli Manning had a perfect quote this week. They said, you go there and that nine-year-old kid is giving you the double finger, not a thumbs up, not we're number one. And he'd said something about my mom. I had to Google what that was. It's a different culture. And all of a sudden, Santa Claus is dodging and ducking and there's a full stadium full of people just wailing away at Santa Claus. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that's going to bother them too much? I don't know. I don't... <sighs> I don't think players really like they get so much they get inundated with so much via social media and all that. I don't think the hate from the stands is as big as it used to be. Now it is really hard when you're trying to call plays and the crowd is too loud and it is a pretty hostile environment. I mean, you definitely don't want to go up into the crowd, right? Unless you're like the Boston Bruins. (laughs) Well, that's true. Terry O'Reilly. And here's O'Reilly moving in on Schultz. And there they go. The Tasmanian Devil. Well, man, I, I like the Giants here to cover. Um, I, I, I like the way Danny Dimes is playing. I like the way they're keeping it close. I really want to take them on the money line. And, and to our listeners, I might even put just a, a small unit on, on the money line there for the Giants. But really, I just like them to cover. Well, it's going to come down to how much they use Barkley. Because in that last game, they really didn't use him effectively, I thought. As I say, Dana Dimes had the most rushing yards on that team, which shouldn't happen with Barkley um, as your running back. And the reason why I say that, they don't have the most talented group of wide receivers in the league, but trust me, (laughs) the Philadelphia Eagles do have an elite group of defensive backs, so they're going to have to pound the ball and do it effectively. Uh, That being said, Jalen Hurts' injury is too much of a question mark for me to be laying more than a touchdown. I'm going to go with the G-men as well. But I subscribe to the law of... Contrary public opinion, if everyone thinks one thing, then I say bet the other way. You got me feeling like I'm Josh Allen, yeah. What? You got me feeling like I'm Josh. Now we move to Sunday, where the Buffalo Bills play host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Buffalo five-point favorites here at Orchard Park and 48's your total. That, that total actually came down from 50. If this isn't the best game this weekend, it will be hands down the most emotional. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Bengals 12 and 4, 12 and uh, 5 against the spread, uh, including 7 and 2 against the spread on the road. Uh, Bills 13 and 3, 8, 8 and 1 against the spread. Uh, now, the Bills, though, like they barely got by the Tuolus Dolphins last week. And mm-hmm. if they play that way this week, it'll be over before it even gets started. I love that word Tuolus. It's kind of neat. I like it a lot. You're on Skylar Thompson, and trust me, they should have had one more play at the end. That was clearly a hold by Buffalo on the very last play of the game. It was. And that, that game could have gone a bunch of different ways. Josh Allen throwing two picks, giving the ball up once on a fumble. <sighs> Holy crap, man. Um, well, Buffalo, we- like you, you, I think you hit on something right there. If they want to win this game, they got to do a much better job holding on to the football. They've committed turnovers, uh, at least three turnovers in each of its last three games. And uh, the Bengals are plus seven in their last nine. And I found this very interesting. Cincinnati's gone six and one when forcing multiple turnovers this year and a perfect four and oh when finishing with three or more takeaways. So Buffalo better guard that football. Well, in the, the final game of the season against New England, they had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. So, cosmetically, the box score looked like it was heavily favoring the Bills. But if you kind of remove these sort of weird uh, and anomalous type plays, this is a lot more even than five points. Holy shit. The only thing that gives me pause for concern is the three linemen that are out for the Bengals. Left tackle Jonah Williams suffered a dislocated kneecap last week. Obviously, he's not going to be playing. Uh, guard Alex Kappa is listed as questionable. He's probably not going to be playing. And at the end of the season, the last offensive tackle, Lil Collins, who went on the IR with an, uh, also a knee injury. But they, they got to the Super Bowl last year with a really, really shitty offensive line. Extremely shitty. Yeah, uh, and you know, Buffalo. A lot of been has been said this week that they've been playing inspired offense over the past four weeks, scoring thirty four points per game in that span. But it needs to be said here, they were playing weak teams like the Dolphins, Pats, Jets, and the Bears. I hate yeah. saying that, but they did. And yeah, they surrendered twenty four points a game throughout that stretch. So some of those teams, you can keep them down to single digits, and Buffalo let them get twenty four. Now Cincinnati. They've averaged 24 points per game during that span, but had the Ravens D twice in that time. Look, man, Buffalo, I think they're still uh, trying to figure some stuff out, and I do not think it's their year. I think Cincinnati's going to come in here and shock the Bills Mafia. I'm picking the Bengals as my money line Maddie pick this week. Oh! Oh! Do you want to go quickly back to the last Super Bowl in featuring said Bengals and also the Los Angeles Rams? One of the biggest difference makers in that game was Von Miller, who now plays for the Buffalo Bills. Guess what? Von Miller's out for the season. I like the Bengals here to cover. I'm not as bold as Matty is, so I'm probably not going to put any money line action on it. But at plus five, I like him a lot. Oh, and one other thing while we're on it. Uh, I was taking a quick look at the props. Right now, Cole Beasley, anytime touchdown at plus 400. He snagged one last week, and I think the chemistry between him and Allen really didn't skip a beat in his absence, and and they're playing really well together. So don't be surprised if in the red zone, uh, that's kind of a go-to look for for Josh Allen. So Cole Cole Beasley, anytime touchdown at plus 400. Yeah, Dawson Knox is always good for one of those as well. Yeah. 
All right. The NFL saved a classic, the best for last. A huge playoff rivalry. Makes us feel like we're back in the uh, 90s there, Andy. Because uh, this is going to be a fun game to watch. The Niners, of course, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dem boys coming to town and they're three and a half point underdogs because the Niners are a juggernaut. I'm surprised it's not even slightly more. Uh, 46 is your total. I imagine it's not slightly more because of the way Dallas played last week. But let's face it, uh, whooping the Bucks is not a statement win as far as I'm concerned because the Bucks, well, I don't even think they were a playoff team. I can think of one reason why this total is four points less than it should be. Why is that? <laughs> Extra points. And he has done it again. They might be looking for a kicker next week. That is four missed extra points tonight. Dallas 12 and 5, 11, 7 and 0 against the spread. San Fran 13 and 4, 12 and 6 against the spread. Now, if Dallas wants to win, they're going to have to run the ball better than they did in last year's playoff because they only managed 77 yards. And if you can't run the ball, you will not loosen up those linebackers or that secondary. Seems to me that the 49ers are a pretty difficult team to run against. Am I incorrect in thinking that? Uh, you are not incorrect, but right. they're okay. going to have to find a way because, dude, they're also hard to pass against. Well, if they do have an Achilles heel, it is the secondary. It's still probably in the top half of the league, but you're going to have to get the ball downfield to C.D. Lamb. And even T.Y. Hilton uh, could be a deep threat for the Cowboys. But let's keep in mind, Simply from a scheduling standpoint, this is the fourth straight road game for the Cowboys, and they've had two fewer days of rest than the 49ers because of the way that they uh, had organized the games last weekend with the Cowboys playing on Monday night. So they're already sitting behind the eight ball a little bit before the games even started. Kyle Shanahan, as a coach of the 49ers, has covered every single playoff game. Not one, but covered against the spread, except for the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. And the last time the Cowboys have won a division around playoff, Brock Purdy wasn't even born. Yeah, interesting with Purdy as well. You want to drop some more stats. They're 6-0 and straight up and 5-1 and against the spread since Purdy took over as a starter. I found another cool stat here, too. These are the only two teams in the NFL with turnover margins of better than plus 10 in the regular season. So really? both these teams uh, have defenses that can get after the ball. But I think that Dak more than most, has been prone to turning the ball over. And he's going to be contending with a very, very aggressive Niners pass rush that is going to make him make some quick and possibly wrong decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at prop bets here for a quick second, Debo Samuel, anytime touchdown at plus 150. Last last year in the playoffs when they had, uh, when they were, sorry, when they went to Dallas, he caught three passes on three attempts for 38 yards. But he, he ran the ball for over 78 on 10 attempts. So they're going to feed him the ball, especially in the red zone. And you saw what that guy looks like when he's angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. So Adebo, anytime touchdown. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I like it at plus 150. Well, this is your account, brother. Do you think your Niners can cover three and a half on uh, Sunday night? I don't think they can. I know they can. And I don't want to be too sure about myself, but uh, this is the type of game where I, I don't, 
I don't want to say it's going to come down to it's not going to come down to the last minute. I don't believe so. I don't think there's a opportunity here for a backdoor cover either with that defense. Um, I, I'm looking for the 49ers to win decisively. As again, the Cowboys have to travel for a four straight week cross country. Let's go. Let's go for Niners. Yeah, and like I said, Dallas they can be beat um, by a team not as good as San Fran. Like the, I mean, the Jags beat them. Uh, in overtime on, in a comeback. I, Dallas hasn't proved that they can uh, play a full season yet. The Niners seem to be playing every game to win and win big. So I think this three and a half points is in the bag as far as I'm concerned. Get a room, you two. We're in a room. Well, then lose some weight. Right, finally, our teaser segment of the program, and this is where we give you a six-point teaser we like for the weekend. What are you digging this week, pal? Well, anyone who knows anything about teasers will take one look at the uh, at the line board and see that you know Casey and the Eagles are ideal candidates for teasers, getting them through three and seven. So let's just not go there. If you want to do that, do that. But I'm going to give you two other ones, and the first one has to do. With the uh, with the KC Jacksonville game, and right now the over under is fifty two and a half. So I'm going to take that down to forty six and a half and go over with them. And then we're going to go to Orchard Park. And when I said I like the Bengals at plus five, I really like them at plus eleven. Again, going through two numbers, seven and ten. So sum up: KC Jacksonville over forty six and a half, and Cincinnati to cover eleven points. So uh, part of my teaser is going with Cincy as well. I love them from plus five to plus 11. As you said, going through the key numbers of seven and 10, and I like them on the money line. Uh, also, I like the total from that same game. Uh, take take the over down from 48 to 42. That should be a gimme. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to the Divisional Round episode of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. And you can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content. From the Cosa Nostra Studios, Brandy the Prognosticator, Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. No one likes, no one likes.